The following community town hall was originally recorded on Tuesday, October 20th via Zoom. Thank you guys very much for being here. We are recording tonight, so hopefully that's okay with you guys. I don't know if it'll end up as a podcast. It'll probably end up as a podcast, so don't worry about that. No one will see you. Uh, we're actually going to spend the first part of our night tonight catching up on some of the values work that has been hot and heavy since August. It's been ongoing for a couple of years, but definitely since August, it's been going strong. And then we'll spend the balance of tonight answering some of the questions that you guys submitted. The chat function is open. So as we're going through questions, if something else pops up that you're wondering about, feel free to type it in the chat and we'll try to save time for that as well. Know that there are lots of questions about Thanksgiving coming. So don't worry that if you're wondering about what Thanksgiving looks like, it won't get covered. Um, that is coming up. So that will happen. Um, but first, we're going to talk about values. So, Jen, take it away. Jen's going to run a slideshow for us. All right. So first, a conversation about values. So what are values? Go ahead and move it forward. I think I said everything I wanted to on that one. All right, so what are values? Well, to start, what are values and how are they different from mission? Our MSD mission describes our purpose as an organization, what we do and why we exist. Our mission, which is, we are a dynamic educational environment empowering students to use diverse knowledge and experiences to reach their full potential and do good in the world. Our mission is ultimately about having a lifelong impact it's about life after MSD to do good in the world. Our values are our core beliefs as a community. They're what we stand for. They're who we are and how we behave as an organization. From our style, which includes student experiences, our curriculum organization and our do good projects uh, to our systems like our admissions process how we welcome in new families, staff evaluations, and professional growth models, to even our strategy, which includes budget setting and our advancement work. Values guide our behavior and work. They are foundational for determining the kind of culture we want to have and the people we want to be. You ask yourself, why do values matter? Well, we strive to be a values-aligned school. You all know that I have been at MSD for a very long time. I have seen on paper what some people thought the MSD values were, but I honestly really don't know where they came from. I know some words are a holdover from an old mission statement, and I want to move forward knowing for sure with all of you what our values are and where they came from which will ultimately be from a highly collaborative, deliberative, inclusive process that engages multiple perspectives at all the right and all the right points of data. MSD strives to live our values in good times and in bad. So what are they and what does it mean to live our values? Well, we have been working on this for a while now, this question. 
how do we how do we build a more inclusive values aligned school some of the places we pulled our data for this work includes alumni feedback culture and our community staff and exit surveys lots of conversations in meetings at retreats around fires our Montessori principles and the culture surveys and the head of school search work. I want to highlight two um, the two surveys with a culture company that MSD engaged with um, over a two year span. These surveys were done with different community members, staff, board, parents, PA, one before I became head which helped to inform the work of the selection committee that was charged with the new head search. And the other survey completed last fall in year two of my headship, which showed a lot of positive growth between surveys, which included a note about a strong MSD culture and learning environment. Retreat participants last November chose six anchor stories to help current and future communities realize, visualize what the school's values mean in action. Three potential core values were identified through the storytelling activity. That we are an inclusive community, meaning we had connection, inclusion, diversity, and we're grounded. Empathy, compassion again, presence and support as well, and empowerment, including advocacy, growth, and self-expression. An opportunity to clarify and deepen our community's connection to its values-driven identity was very clear. Included in the culture company survey report were a few notes. One, articulate values alignment across all aspects of the school. Strategy, like I mentioned, structure, systems, staffing, skills, and culture. School-wide values alignment helps strengthen overall performance through more focused and transparent decision-making, prioritization, expectation setting, communication, coordination across MSD's complex mix of stakeholders. Two, we should work to define values with clear and specific wording that transcends all members of the target community. Retreat anchor stories focused on positive student stories, while value survey feedback focused primarily on suggested improvement areas for staff, faculty, leadership, and parents. Three, reconcile our desire for diversity and inclusion, including racial, ethnic, economic, and thought. With the perception that MSD has elitist, elitism culture and a financially driven culture and is not considered of inclusive families sometimes with two working parents, the retreat survey yielded us uh, some good data and direction. Last year, I also want to note, we were also very busy pre-COVID writing our reaccreditation self-study report for both the American Montessori Society and the Association of Colorado Independent Schools, our two accrediting bodies. This is a very reflective process by nature that involves affirming our mission, looking at our last self-study and visiting team report, our regular report responses to both organizations over the last seven years, sitting, thinking and assessing results and growth in all areas from curriculum to business operations, to governance, to equity work, to child protection, and then work in teams that involve all staff, trustees and PA leadership, and then write a comprehensive report that includes areas of strengths, challenges and plans and priorities for each small section from biology to the toddler program to alumni outreach 
as well as for the full full school. This year is both our last year of both our current strategic and equity and inclusion plans. These are both full of good work that has been thoughtfully worked through and many items checked off. It's time to start thinking about the next plan and this values work will help inform some of that work. This is also my third year as head of school. The end of a three-year cycle is a big deal in Montessori. This is my chance also to reflect on growth, both mine and MSDs and ours, how we have grown together and where we might go next. A small group who will say hello next, reflecting on all these documents and surveys and their own different MSD experiences, met together, talked, went away and thought some more and came up with our first list. It's my pleasure now to introduce the very small and mighty values task group. Please unmute yourself and say hello and just a little bit about yourself. So first, Ryan. Yeah, hey everyone. Um, I, uh, I'm uh, the father of Ilsa Barkey. I was in uh, Miss Ashley's class and uh, uh, here with my wife, Molly. I was uh, thrilled to be a part of this. Uh, uh, this uh, exercise, and I think we've come up with some really cool stuff, but uh, it's good to, good to meet everyone. Joel? Hi, I'm Joel. I'm the middle school science teacher, and I'm Penelope's dad. She's in Miss Aaron's class. <laughs> Jen? Hi, I'm Jen Wettstein. Um, I have a third grader in Laura and JC's class and a kindergartner in Miss Marissa's class, and um, I just want to say that this group has been awesome to work with. Kristen. Hi, I'm Kristen Brown. I have a son who's a fourth grader in Upper L and a son who's a seventh grader in the middle school. I'm the newest team member to this little group and it's been really um, pretty remarkable. So excited to be able to share it out with everyone tonight. Lisa. Is Lisa still here? Doop, doop, doop. Oh, Lisa. Oh, sorry, I did, it didn't pop up. Unmute. Sorry. Mm -hmm. um, I was just talking away. Um, anyway, I was saying thank you so much for letting me be part of this group, inviting me to be part of this group. It's been amazing. Um, I feel like I've learned a ton. I have three kids, um, two graduates from MSD, one graduate who just started his first year of college at Emory University in Atlanta, and one who is a uh, sophomore at Regis Jesuit. And then I also have an eighth grader. Thank you for having me on. Go Atlanta. Emily. I'm Emily. I am one of the primary teachers. I work with Jane in classroom seven and I am happy to be here. And then finally, uh, Tara was on the work group but she cannot be here tonight, but she gets full credit for all of her good work um, on this. So um, this task group worked thought, like I said, we then opened up discussions to a larger group of MSD faculty, staff, alumni, and parents on a Sunday morning a few weeks ago. That group spent multiple hours having conversations about every single word suggested. We took all this new input, met, and thought some more, which has resulted in tonight's list. And now we'd like your input. Are these the right values? Does your MSD experience resonate with these? Are we missing any things? Now it is my pleasure to hand it off to Emily for the big reveal. 
Thank you, Julie. All right, so here is where we currently land. At MSD, we believe that creating a thoughtful, inclusive community allows for joyful, empowered learners, which by design enables curious, collaborative thinkers, creating brave, wise leaders. And now I'll hand it to Joel. <laughs> Okay, thank you, Emily. Um, as we said, well, am I muted? No. No, you were good. Now you're muted. Okay, okay I started talking and said I could unmute myself. Okay. Um, so yeah, as we said, there was a lot, a lot of thought, a lot of input coming into these words. And what we realized is it's hard to have a perfect word. Um, and so it, there's also a lot of words that are carrying a lot of weight. So we thought it was necessary for us to kind of explain some of the ideas behind these words, because the first thing that may pop into an individual's mind may not be all that we were intending to mean. Um, in doing this, we're hoping that we can hopefully solidify our own thoughts and perhaps discover some things that we may have missed because this is still something of a work in progress. Uh, the last uh, visual we saw, we're definitely looking at something that is somewhat cyclical. Some of these words we're talking about are more like inherent qualities. They're all definitely things that we can work on, grow with, um, and change how we do them though. So I want to start with the first three because these are somewhat linear, but again, circling back around. Uh, we've grouped them into threes because we kind of felt that they, they can hang on each other and it helps hopefully convey our message. Uh, the reason that we chose these first three words, we're going to create a thoughtful, inclusive community. I thought, we thought that thoughtful needed to come first because the very first thing we need to do is be thoughtful. From here, we can do everything else. But the first thing we have to make sure that we're doing is being thoughtful. Uh, we then moved on to inclusive. We want to be inclusive with the people in our community, with our, um, our various curriculums. Uh, we want to be inclusive, but we want that to be feeding our, uh, or not feeding, but um, informing our community. All right, we want to be an inclusive community. We're bringing people in, we're bringing the things that we're teaching in, um, but we're inclusive in that way. So if we can do these things, it sets us up for the, the following steps. So we are a thoughtful, inclusive community who are now ready to be allowed to become joyful empowered learners all right so we've got this great community happening and again our community we might later on want to re-examine our community but now we've got this awesome thoughtful inclusive community going we're able to be joyful okay we want to be joyful entering into the work um we're wanting to enjoy the things we're doing all of us hope to have a job we can grow up and be happy in doing having meaningful work uh joy feeds all of those things. So if we can be joyful in the work, we think that's a great way to start. In doing that joyful work, we need to be empowered though. Empowering is speaking to the, the teachers we have, the people we bring into our community for community gatherings, um, the various technology and other tools we bring in, the art classes, the, the various specials. All of these things are coming together to empower people. So at this point, we are happy and we are strong. And what we are doing with that happy strength is learning. We are learning, um, hopefully, how to do even more, which will create more empowered. So um, at this point, our thoughtful, inclusive community is now just full of joyful learners who, whoop, I'm sorry, 
And as we're learning, we will, of course, be curious to begin with, but then that builds more curiosity. I think most of us hopefully have had the experience of finding out a little bit and wanting to find more. So at this point, we're empowered. Um, we are a community. We are curious at this point, and we are really trying to work into other aspects of the world. We are growing in this moment. As I'm trying to, to nourish or, or nurture that curiosity, I may want to become more and more collaborative. I hope that most of us have had the experience. We're all at a town hall meeting at this moment. So hopefully we've all had the experience of coming together uh, for the common good. Um, now that we've got all this empowerment and we're all so curious, we're now working together to really do the big picture thinking. Um, at this point, we're working together, we're fulfilling our curiosity, and we're thinking about how to solve problems. So um, I realize we realize that there may be some confusion in between thoughtful and thinkers, but thoughtful is how we're entering into our community and how we're treating people and treating our environment. At this point, we are thinkers about the solutions that we're trying to find. How can we create a better world? Okay, so all of these things, of course, are rolling. And then that brings us, I apologize, I may be talking too fast, but um, we can flesh these things out, perhaps. But at this point, we're finding solutions to problems, and we are ready for number four. And at this point, we are ready to become brave, wise leaders. Um, this, we are aware, sounds like perhaps an end point, but one of the big uh, sticking points for a lot of us is that leadership can look a lot of ways. I'm sorry, I'm going to go out of order right here. Leadership can look a lot of ways. Wisdom can look a lot of ways and bravery can look a lot of ways. Um, hopefully we've exemplified through our thoughtful, inclusive community that we are in a safe space. Um, hopefully by this point, we've been empowered enough times. We've, we've satiated our curiosity enough times that we're brave enough now to, to step up and, and take action. Um, Hopefully, along with that bravery, we carry our wisdom. Again, through the empowerment that we've been given, through the curious searches that we've done, we hopefully have achieved some level of wisdom. 25-year-old um, wisdom looks different from 75-year-old wisdom, uh, but I would encourage everyone to seek out three and four and five-year-old wisdom. It's out there. So hopefully we've got some bravery happening, some wisdom happening, and leadership happening. And um, this does not necessarily mean that you are leading your own company or leading a country, but perhaps you are setting the right example. Perhaps you are leading your best friend in the right direction. Perhaps, perhaps you're just leading everyone in the song at camp. Um, hopefully we can find the space to be a leader in some capacity. It doesn't have to be you every single time, but ideally I think of fully fully developed person needs to be able to lead at some point. And hopefully um, our thoughtful, inclusive community has allowed us to collaborate and think about ways um, that we can be empowered and become brave and wise and lead into the next crazy disaster that we have to take on as a community. <laughs> Did I say it all guys? That's all I've got. <laughs> all right ryan i think it's your turn yeah hey so uh now we need your help uh and well put uh joel thanks uh we need your help but uh, what do you what do you think uh are these values the right uh, values. Uh, do your own MSD experiences uh, resonate with these values? Um, and are we missing anything here? 
uh, you know, so consider what does it look like when these values show up and, and how can we keep growing? And uh, lastly, we'll be sending out a link uh, to participate in what we're calling open jam sessions. Uh, and for those of you who, have, who haven't used it, uh, a jam board before, it's a web-based tool uh, that's uh, designed to work like an uh, interactive whiteboard, basically. Uh, everyone can collaborate and build uh, off ideas and suggestions joined, uh, posted by others. Uh, we'll have pages set up for each of these values and we'll leave uh, them open for about 60 to 90 minutes uh, at a time. Um, we'd love your reactions and, and, and feedback. Um, it's a really easy thing to use once you once you get the, the hang of it, and it, it is pretty cool. It is, it is like an electronic whiteboard. So um, we've scheduled a, a, a few times to, actually multiple times, uh, to accommodate everyone's schedules uh, as best we can. And uh, so, so please look for that link uh, in the coming days. I think yes. back to you, Julie, thanks. Awesome, thank you guys. Um, I just have to say, wow, um, I actually, I love this work. Hard to believe. I find it more fulfilling than um, COVID flowcharts. So it's been really fun to work with this group and do all this good work together. Um, I hope hearing tonight about our work up until now has brought you guys some energy tonight on your Tuesday night too. Um, I look forward to our jam sessions with you. Uh, it's something the faculty has used and it's been, it's pretty cool. So partner with us on that. That's going to be pretty awesome. Um, obviously, I want to just take a moment to thank Kristen, Ryan, Jen, Emily, Lisa, Tara, and Joel, and our DC mentor, Sarah Koning, who um, shepherded us well and deserves a shout out tonight um, for all their time and careful thinking and reflecting that it has gotten us to tonight's presentations. Because honestly, there are moments this summer where um, I knew I wanted to tackle this work, but it was really hard to think of the energy to get this work done. And it took a lot of people's kind of inertia and good care to get us um, here. And I think it's a pretty awesome place. So I look forward to you guys joining us on the jam session. So we're going to abruptly switch gears now and spend some time answering some of your questions now. So thanks for listening to the values work. Um, yeah, I just think it's awesome. So giddy up. All right. So question number one. Uh, MSC has a protocol for when our children leave the state and when it is safe to return to school. Is there a protocol for extended family that come from out of state and staying in the household? Specifically, how do you address the importance of transparency if there are potentially asymptomatic? And then there's another question along the same line. So I'm just going to read them both and then spend some time talking about it. There is increased concern with the holidays coming up, specifically families coming in from out of town or college kids coming home. How is MSD addressing these concerns? Medical advisors are asking families to keep gatherings to your immediate family members this year, your pod throughout the holidays. What is MSD's stance and how will MSD carry out their position? I feel like I'm on Miss America. And like I got like a really sweaty like question about like world peace and predicting the future. So here's my answer. Um, it is recommended that when you have visitors in your home, whether from out of state or just non-residents of the household, that you socially distance, wash your hands frequently, disinfect surfaces and doorknobs, and wear a mask if someone has symptoms. If symptoms developed, you need to contact your medical provider. That's where all the flowcharts go. 
Also, it's recommended to keep gatherings to five people if possible. Obviously, the school cannot enforce this. We can only recommend and encourage families to follow the guidelines and suggest that if families are choosing to have more people at their family gatherings than the order specifies, they should plan on taking additional precautions, which could include quarantining or testing before returning to school. I have a college student. I'm going to fully confess in front of all of you, and he's going to come into my home for the holidays. It would be very sad if I made Charlie spend his Thanksgiving out on my front porch mostly because I'd be on the front porch with them and know there'd be no turkey on the inside of the house. So, and I also know that being together is important for our wellness and health to gather and be with people. And I don't know what Thanksgiving's gonna look like, honestly. I don't actually really know what Halloween's gonna look like and that's a week and a half away. So I appreciate that this produces anxiety in everybody about what if and what can we do and who can be there and who can't be there. I get calls on the weekend, as does Chris, about birthday parties that are concerning to people and weddings and those kind of things. And my answer is always, I kind of have control from eight o'clock until 3.30. And after those hours, my limit of control, um, I actually don't want it. I'm actually just interested in being in the school business. So no, thank you. So what I will just say is, act with caution. We've got lots of great resources for you guys to use. If you do need to stay home, great packets on the website for you to access. Um, and what still, once again, like I said from the beginning, this is a real community responsibility to keep all of us safe. And I'm not going to tell myself or my son that he can't come home for Thanksgiving because I need him to come home for Thanksgiving. You guys want him to come home for Thanksgiving. So I hope you guys enjoy good time with good people too. So there's my answer to that one. Um, all right, question, next question. With our students playing in various outdoor sports and the organizations doing a good job of messaging required guidelines, but, but still not requiring masks, what is MSD's stance on this activity? Do you strongly ask MSD parents to have their children wear masks even though their teammates may not? Well, as somebody who does not have children playing in after school activities, I'm going to make Rachel answer this question. Because I have that and a lot of it. Um, yeah, so like Julia said, we can't really control the life that happens off of campus and families should really use their best judgment um, about this. Definitely check with your child's teams or their clubs about what guidelines and controls that they have in place. Um, and as a parent of, a, of two club sport athletes, I had to sign many, many forms uh, that said I would make commitments to follow their protocols that they have set in place for the safety and the health of everyone, both the team, the players, and the parents and the coaches, both on and off the field. So the sports do look different in that sense, too. Um, I do know that many clubs and sports programs have done a lot of work on their safety protocols for the players, their families, on fields, off fields. Many of these facilities, both indoors and outdoors, um, they don't allow for family spectators. And if they do, you, they have reduced numbers. You usually have to wear a mask. They have set out spaces for you to be socially distanced if you're even allowed down there. Um, kids and coaches on the sidelines, um, my kids play soccer, uh, have masks on if they're not playing on the field. When they are on their indoor training days, they're required to wear a mask do the entire session and follow all safety protocols with social distancing um, that they have put in place. Um, there's no hanging out for the kids or the parents. Um, and they're very, they're very strict about this and they enforce them. I had, I saw someone be 
scolded rather uh, sternly the other day at a soccer game. So they are sticking with that. Um, and they're really just, you know, out to make sure that everyone is safe. And if something comes up, they let us know. But again, you have to use your best judgment. And if it doesn't feel comfortable for you, then it's probably something you shouldn't do. So. Thank you. I mean, obviously, when you can wear a mask, wear a mask. That, that's, that's the best defense. So um, thank you for that. Okay, next, with the school pass system going down last Monday and issues at other times, what is your plan with taking temperatures and ensuring safety those days? How is MSD effectively monitoring this system and the transparency of families? How will MSD make sure the app issues or internet issues are addressed? Once again, no thank you. Bryce, um, this one is for you. Awesome, thank you. Can you hear me okay? Yep. Okay, perfect. Um, all right, so um, MSD has installed wireless access points across campus to ensure connectivity to the SchoolPass application. We have no actual control over how the application works. Um, and I'll give you a little bit more feedback on SchoolPass itself. Um, the SchoolPass company itself saw humongous growth during the co or during COVID-19 pandemic. And after the launch of their wellness program, their team of 12 people went from servicing a couple hundred schools to over a thousand. So this has put a, in, in a very, it's put a very high demand on their servers and they're struggling to accommodate it. They are making adjustments as needed, but as a result, they are constantly upgrading their servers to accommodate the demands. And because they are constantly updating their servers, it's creating problems for us. Most of these problems are solved by logging out of the application and then logging back in or just installing the most recent updates on your device. Uh, Monday, last Monday's school pass crash happened between 8.10 and 8.15. Uh, it was down for 15 minutes. And during this time, some people were unable to complete the wellness survey. Um, I'm a sucker for props. So we have paper wellness surveys on hand that we used for completing um, surveys for parents that were unable to complete wellness screenings uh, using the school pass app. Um, we have infrared thermometers for checking temperatures. And upon completing your survey with one of us, you get a green check mark to hand to your teacher to let them know that they are clear to go into the classroom and have successfully completed a wellness screening. Um, that being said, please remember to complete your wellness screening before you arrive on campus. Um, we send out reminders twice a day, so 45 minutes and 15 minutes before school starts. Um, in the event of a full system crash, I'll send out a bright arrow notification containing the same questions in the event that you answer yes to anything other than, did you apply sunscreen to your child today? Please call us and contact Nurse Chris. Um, if you forget, you're gonna have to spend some time with Ashley or myself going through a paper survey, which is not the end of the world, um, but uh, it's gonna take us a long time to go through these. And please be patient with us in the event of a full system crash because Carline is going to take forever. Um, We've had amazing participation with the wellness survey, and uh, I just want to say thank you and keep up the good work. It's been incredible, and I really appreciate your buy-in. 
Um, we want to protect online campus learning, or sorry, on campus learning for as long as possible. And as far as transparency, we have a trust based system and our policy is honesty. It's the best policy. Um, we have 296 students, 63 staff members. And if you didn't have enough reasons to not lie on your survey, there's 359 good ones. Um, we have a program in place with screening questions. So I'm just gonna walk you through our process. This should help clarify what we go through on our end. So we have a program with screening questions. If you go to the green check mark, you're good to go. If you get a flag, uh, it just means uh, nurse Chris is gonna follow up with you and she's just gonna need some more information. And it's important to complete that wellness survey before you end up on, or before you arrive on campus. So she has time to review them and contact you in the event that you are flagged. She just needs a little bit more information. Um, Mike and Johnny are screening all cars that enter campus for those same green, green check marks or red flags in the event that you're flagged. You're gonna have to pull out of car line and Ashley and I will follow up with questions. Question one will be, did you talk to the nurse? Um, from there, we will either take your temperature and run you through a paper survey or wave you through because nurse Chris has cleared you. And then as a final layer of protection, uh, school pass will not let you drop off or sign your children onto campus without completing a wellness check. So we do have a little bit of built-in protection there too. Um, that's all I have on that topic. So thank you all for helping to keep MSD a safe and healthy place. And I turn the time back over to you, Julie. Thanks, Bryce. I think we all have the questions memorized. So if the system was to app to crash, you could go through it still and figure out your answer, still take your temperature, do all that good stuff. I know all my answers. And interestingly enough, I run cold. I had no idea until this whole COVID thing happened. So fun fact about me. Okay, next question. Has any governmental or health authority in Denver said or hinted to MSD or independent schools or schools generally at what threshold they will start to shut schools down or limit the number of students in each cohort? No. Wouldn't that be awesome if like we had a preview of some kind of information? And the answer is honestly no. Like we have some conversations with school districts or with superintendents. Um, sometimes um, our people get invited to different meetings, but different people have different levels of information. And sometimes the superintendents think something's happening that is actually not happening. So it's not really good firm data for any of us. I do know from a meeting yesterday that some districts that were planning to start in-person learning in the next week or two from the at the K-12 level are either proceeding or not. So once again, it kind of just depends on what data and what the organization looks like. Um, some ACS schools I know are planning to go virtual between Thanksgiving and um, the December holiday. M many of those schools are boarding schools. So they're following the college level um, or the college model there. Um, all indications are though, which is kind of, I'm sure what you guys are seeing, that we pr probably won't have another like the state of Colorado mandate, but we could have a Denver County. We could have um, more of that way by school district or county closures, but I don't know anything um, more than you guys do. 
And actually, just so you guys know, Lexi knows the most. Okay, number six, uh, currently under the Colorado Department of Health guidelines, if Denver County moves to a safer level three, higher risk level, remote or hybrid learning is quote suggested. And if Denver County moves to a quote, stay at home severe level, then remote learning is suggested. Will you likely follow these suggestions or would you continue to follow the operations level decision memo? Um, I'm just gonna say it's impossible to answer hypothetical questions right now. What is important um, to keep in mind once again is our ability to have small co cohorts and nimble community. We're not Denver public schools. We're not Cherry Creek schools. We're actually more like a small mountain school district as far as how big our business, or how big our school size is and how big our classrooms are. So that's kind of more of kind of how we're looking at it. Um, and if such a, if we had different orders, I would consult with our COVID task force and all the different bodies that is in that return to campus guidebook. Uh, the ACIS school heads, uh, we meet every week um, in well on Zoom. And then we also email a lot about what people are thinking, um, what's going on in different people's schools. So that's some pretty collaborative and awesome. So I don't know what the answer is. It would really depend once again, too, on our internal metrics. What's our staff absent rate like? What are our student absent rates? It's like not necessarily what's happened in Denver County, but really what's happening at our school. And um, currently our school's been really awesome, thanks to you guys. Okay. Um, whew, okay. Uh, there are rules on families traveling out of state in the scenario chart, but what are the rules on hosting a guest from out of state or gathering with a person from out of state or recently traveled out of state, especially in light of Thanksgiving? Um, I'll just say once again, we're asking families to use caution and prudence around the decision of who to be in contact with over the holiday and to be mindful of state and city orders to ex exercise caution about when you return to school. Um, I do anticipate having more updates around holiday travel when we get closer to the holiday. Right now, it's just suit too soon to anticipate what's going on and what those considerations are, what re restrictions might look like at MSD. I will say that we are gonna send you guys out a poll, a Thanksgiving poll about what, what you guys are doing over the holidays. The staff's gonna fill one out and it's gonna be questions of, are you traveling out of state? What are your plans for in-state? What's your gathering gonna be like? And it's not gonna say anything's gonna happen because of any of those answers. It's gonna give us the data. So when we do make a decision, we know kind of how many people that's gonna affect and what the consequences are of those decisions. So the staff's gonna fill that question questionnaire out. And then I think you're gonna get that same questionnaire from your teacher to fill out. So please go ahead and fill that out for us when you get it, that would be awesome. All right. Oh, a question about School Pass. The School Pass app asked about contact with persons from a state area that has a large number of COVID-19. Like COVID-19. How is that defined? Ashley, how's that defined? <laughs> um, uh, well, so first, just to clarify, this question in School Pass, the full question reads: Has your child had close contact within six feet for at least fifteen minutes? with the person confirmed with COVID-19 or traveled to an area where the local public health authority is reporting large numbers of COVID-19 cases in the past 14 days. Um, and we paired these two situations because they both have to do with exposure. Um, so regarding traveling to an area with large numbers of COVID cases, um, we're gauging that both by guidelines from the CDC 
um, as well as any local mandates from the CDPHE. Um, and then this is straight from our nurse. Um, currently, there is an increase in COVID cases in 38 states. And so these states are considered high risk enough to become hotspots. Um, and this data is straight from the CDC. So that's really what we're using to gauge um, the answers to this question. Um, and so I'll also plug a reminder here about our travel policy, which is that if your family does plan on traveling um, out of state, then your child will need to stay home from school for at least 72 hours, then get a COVID test. And then if, um, once the test does come back negative, then your child may return. Um, alternatively, if um, you don't wanna do that, then um, your child can just quarantine for 14 days and can return once they're symptom free. Um, and if you're not sure about any of, you know, you know, traveling and how long to stay out of school, um, you can always contact our nurse and she'd be happy to advise you on what to do. So yeah, thanks Ashley. <laughs> I know everyone gets tired of talking about talk of me talking, so I'm like, I need some other people. All right, next question. Ooh, it's about COVID. Look shocked. Okay, with COVID cases rising and the weather getting colder and the possibility of public health authorities limiting the number of students in a classroom, will MSD consider putting smaller cohorts into alternative spaces before we have to go full hybrid? Ann Hewitson, tell me the answer, please. Hey, uh, so the answer is no. Um, and <laughs> that's the simple answer. That answer was reached after really doing a lot of thinking and planning and looking at the spaces that we have available to us and what the impact would be of having students in small groups um, in different spaces on campus that are not intended to be classrooms. And um, as Montessori teachers, the thought of putting 10 primary students into a small space that's not intended to be a classroom was just a little bit more than our hearts could bear. Um, we're not the type of school where there's a, a teacher at the front of the classroom teaching everybody the same thing and everyone's working on one thing at a time. Um, so, you know, it would mean setting up another how many? 9, 10, 11, 12 a lot of classrooms um, that actually were equipped for children to do the learning that they are, to, are um, used to doing. So, um, and then there's bathrooms and bathroom access. That's a whole nother ball of wax. Um, teacher coverage as well and making sure that all those students are getting um, access to their teachers on a regular basis. So it just, at the end of the day, isn't feasible. So if we needed to move to a model where we needed to reduce the number of students that we had on campus, we have other plans for how we can do that um, that will keep us in good fidelity with Montessori and making us feel like we're, we're delivering our program the way that we need to deliver it. So um, if we reach that point, we will share all that information about how we're going to do that. But that's the answer to the question. And it's and, and it is kind of spelled out in the return to campus guidebook, kind of what the schedule would look like if we had to split down to half the kids coming at a time. And Anne's right, it really comes down to the Montessori. We have special materials, we have a special philosophy, we have teachers with special training. Um, it's it's just a little bit more complicated. Montessori is just always harder, is always the answer, and it's harder in a pandemic as well in some ways and in other beautiful ways really set up to handle a pandemic as far as the care of environment and the growth and the focus on the on the students so all right can i just say one thing uh, yes without naming other schools 
that I, I have learned of the types of spaces that schools are putting students into in order to have smaller cohorts. And it's very sad. We would not do that. <laughs> that is all. We're supposed to turn off the recording for that part and turn it back on. All right, well, we'll just continue. We didn't name names, that's good. Okay, next question. Uh, does MSD have any views on students participating in extracurricular activities, i.e. number of people partaking in the activity at the time, whether it's outside, masked, or other types of precautions that students should take based on the level of alert? Um, once again, we don't have an official view on this. You know, honestly, I do know that the schools that have had COVID outbreaks that have resulted in closures, uh, grades and or cohorts have been because of after school activities. And that's not to blame anything, but this, they've had to close down because of something that's happened after school. And um, when we've had close calls, it's been about after school activities and exposure at those events. So, you know, I'm just gonna know, just know that it's a risk, just like everything else, like going to a restaurant's a risk, participating in those things are a risk. Um, obviously better if you're outside, um, but it's a risk. So were there any questions um, that came up? I saw one about making sure we had some uh, people of color represented in our values work. And Jen, I think you've responded to that. And I'll also say, um, I didn't read your all your answers, but a lot of the data we mined was from had different points of view. So it wasn't just us and there's still more work to do there, but always a fair point to raise to make sure we're making, um, getting as many perspectives as we can. Are there any other questions anybody have? If you wanna raise your hand and unmute yourself, um, we're happy to take some off the fly. I'm gonna call on Jane Dutton to answer them. So any questions you guys wanna ask Jane and she'll answer them for you tonight. No? Are you sure? There's a lot you might wanna know about Jane tonight. Okay, going once, going twice. All right, there's one last question then. This is to Jane. No, I'm just kidding. I'll answer it, Jane. Okay, uh, this person wrote, uh, first off, uh, I wanna say how thankful we are for the job you've done getting the school open and keep keeping it open. So obviously my favorite question of the night, I'm gonna close it with, this is the one that Thanks us, okay. Um, that said, I'm wondering if you would consider remote learning between Thanksgiving and through winter break. I understand the desire to keep kids in school, but the state and natural, national positivity rates are only going to keep increasing. And it seems exceedingly likely that, the, that people will bring COVID into the classrooms post Thanksgiving. Travel or no travel, many will mix with non-household family and friends. So, how do you balance what seems like a foreseeable outcome against the desire to keep all involved safe? To me, this is a different calculus than just opening up the school in the fall as the holidays present a much bigger threat to spread than daily life. I'd also note that the CDC indicates much of the current spread is between non-household family members. So to whoever wrote this question, you are correct. This is a totally different calculus. It is family travelings and gatherings. It's our staff. It's the balance of the need for us to connect with others and to be part as part of our wellness and health. It's the value of in-person learning, especially at our youngest ages. And this is hard. 
and it seems to either keep me up or wake me up most nights. Two weeks ago, we made the decision to be in person if it was safe to do so. Safety is the key point, and I'm going to keep reminding you the guiding star to all we're doing, as well as the need to stay flexible in order to stay safe. We'll rethink our plans, and I will. you will be the first to know. Like I said, we're going to be sending out that survey, so please answer that. That'll help us with some of this decision-making. Um, I want to take a quick moment now to thank Lorianne and the PA team and the faculty for the Halloween fun that is in store for everybody next week. We are moving our Montessori comfort zone and having a parties, which we have gotten away from over the years, but in a nod to COVID and wanting to have joy, I would just like to acknowledge that we're gonna have some Halloween fun on campus, which sometimes is not a Montessori thing. I can talk to you about that later at a cocktail party about why that is. Um, I'd also like to thank the admin team and the education team uh, for keeping it all together with me. Um, and then last, I just wanna thank all of you for your time tonight. We covered a lot of ground from values to school pass to do you put the stuffing in the bird, pecan or pumpkin pie. Sadly, no, actually, we just talked about all the untasty things about Thanksgiving. Um, but do keep your questions. Um, keep asking your questions. Please keep reading what we send you. Be patient. Uh, we can't look into the future with any real accuracy right now. So please just be patient. Be kind as the new Stinger Spirit Day Pins said. Um, I'm just gonna close with a quote from Mary Oliver because it's always nice to have a little close out. And the quote says, what I want in my life is, is to be willing to be dazzled, to cast aside the weight of facts and maybe even to float a little above this difficult world. So that is my good night wish for all of you this evening. Thank you guys for your time. Go off, dream of values and other good things and other hopeful things in our future. So thank you guys so much. And um, we'll keep the chat open just for a little bit um, if other things pop up. So thanks, you guys. Awesome night. Have a good night. It's time for tacos. It's Tuesday. <laughs>